section four chapter eight part one of elementary theosophy by l w rogers this librivox recording is in the public domain the astral world when the physical body dies there is an interval between the loss of consciousness here and the dawning of the astral consciousness during that interim a review of the life scenes take place everything between birth and death passes again through the consciousness as it thus pauses in the etheric double between the life activities of two worlds then peaceful consciousness follows from which the man awakes in the astral world to those accustomed to thinking of the dying as passing to some remote heaven where they become angels it will perhaps sound startling to say that a dead man is not aware at first that the change we call death has taken place yet that is a common experience nor is it at all remarkable that it should be so with many we have only to recall the fact that all physical matter is surrounded and permeated with astral matter to realize that the physical plane is duplicated in astral matter not only the physical body of the human being but of course every physical object has its astral duplicate the dying man loses consciousness of the physical plane and awakes as from a sleep to the astral consciousness he sees then the exact duplicate in astral matter of the familiar scenes he has left behind he sees too his friends for their astral bodies are replicas of their physical forms and yet notwithstanding all this there is a difference though not a difference that enables him to comprehend what has occurred he may know that only yesterday or what seems to him to have been yesterday he was ill and confined to his bed and was perhaps told he was about to die and now he is not ill indeed he never felt so free from aches and pains in all his life the pulsing energies and exhilaration of youth are his again this mystifies him he sees his friends and naturally speaks to them but gets no reply and finds he cannot attract their attention it must be remembered that he cannot see their physical bodies any more than they can see his astral body yet he truly sees them if a so-called dead man and a living person look at the same instant at another living person they will both see him but the latter sees the physical body while the former sees the astral body that surrounds and permeates it under these circumstances it is not strange that the new arrival in the astral world is seized with a feeling of baffling mystery he is in full possession of his reasoning faculties and will-power but there is a puzzling limitation to his efforts to produce expected results a partial analogy may be found in the case of a person suddenly stricken with aphasia overnight he rises in the morning dresses and goes about his accustomed duties without the slightest suspicion that any change has come to him until he takes up the morning paper and discovers he cannot read that familiar print simply means nothing to him of course in time the living dead man gets adjusted to the new life he soon meets others in the astral world who have been there longer and they sooner or later succeed in convincing him that he is not having an exceptionally vivid dream the astral world as explained in a previous chapter has seven subdivisions and the astral body contains matter belonging to each of them while we have the physical body the matter of the astral body is in rapid circulation every grade of it being constantly represented at the surface 
but when the connection with the material plane is broken the rearrangement of the matter of the astral body automatically takes place unless it is prevented by an exercise of willpower and the grossest grade of matter thereafter occupies its surface consequently the consciousness of the man is limited to that subdivision of the astral world represented by the lowest grade of matter which his astral body contains at the time of his death this is a fact the importance of which it would be difficult to overemphasize because his after-death state of consciousness his joy or sorrow in short his temporary heaven or hell depends on his location in the astral world there are three and only three modes of death or release from the physical body by old age by disease or by violence old age is the natural and desirable close of the chapter of physical plane experience it is most desirable to live to ripe old age and accumulate a large harvest of experience to live long and actively is excellent fortune it is not well to pass into the astral world with strong physical desires as old age comes on the desire forces subside most of that grade of astral matter that is capable of expressing them has slowly disappeared old age represents the most gradual loosening of the life forces from the material plane and that has many advantages release from the physical body by disease is next in order of desirability it is a quicker and less complete breaking down of the connection with the physical world nevertheless it is a condition in which much progress may be made in getting free from physical desires as those who have had experience with invalids are aware desires usually grow weaker with the progress of the disease that finally ends in death release from the physical form by violence is of course the least desirable of the three not merely because it is violence but for the much more important reason that sudden death finds the man as a rule with considerable amount of lower grades of astral matter in his astral body whether the death by violence is the result of accident murder suicide or legal execution the astral plane conditions of consciousness are alike unfortunate in that it is sudden death not the manner of death that permits entry upon the astral life before the lower grades of astral matter have been eliminated from the astral body this is one reason why suicide is unfortunate because it ushers the man into the astral world with more of the matter of the lower levels in his astral vehicle than would be there if he had lived out his normal physical life purgatory is a term often applied to the lowest level of the astral world the word is well chosen because it is there that the moral nature is purged of its impurities strong desires cultivated and indulged during the life in the physical body are eliminated with the gross astral matter through which alone they can be expressed and freed to that extent the man passes to the next subdivision and into its higher state of consciousness in the astral life some people linger long on the low levels while others know them not at all but awaken to the blissful consciousness of the higher subdivisions nature is everywhere consistent grouping together people of a kind it is however the manner in which one lives during physical life that determines his happiness or sorrow after death the astral body the seat of the emotions is like the physical body constantly changing the matter that composes it an emotion of any kind expresses itself as a vibration in the matter of the astral body 
if it is a base emotion such as anger hatred lust or cruelty it throws into vibration the grossest of the astral body's matter for only in that it can be expressed if it is an exalted emotion such as love sympathy devotion courage or benevolence it affects only the rarer grades of astral matter for in them only can such feeling be expressed with most people there is a constant mingling of a wide range of emotions with a gain in one direction and a loss in another one who fortunately understands the law of emotional cause and effect may make absolutely certain of a comfortable sojourn upon the astral plane after death he would make it a rule to watch his emotions and control them knowing that each time he indulged a gross one the vibration set up in his astral body would strengthen and vivify the grossest grade of matter in it while pure and exalted emotions would strengthen the higher grades ultimately the grossest grade becoming atrophied for the lack of activity would drop away from him the descriptions of purgatory given by the psychic scientists are calculated to induce even the reckless to avoid it if we could bring together all the vilest men and women now living on the physical plane the crudest of the murderers the most besotted drunkards the vilest degenerates the most conscienceless and vindictive fiends of every description and huddle them together in hovels reeking with filth and let them remain without any outward government free to prey upon each other we should perhaps have a faint comprehension of the reality of the lowest subdivision of the astral world but no physical plane comparison can do it full justice for we must remember that it is the emotional world and the feelings of its inhabitants make its atmosphere in a way that would here be impossible astral matter instantly and exactly reproduces emotion so that the fiend or sensualist looks exactly what he feels even in the unresponsive physical matter the evil in a man is often sufficiently expressed to fill those who behold him with terror in the astral world every cruel thought and hideous emotion would express itself in visible form and the multitudinous emotions welling up in the lowest level of the astral world would be as a loathsome swarm of reptiles gliding through its horrible life add to all that the fact that the hopeless despair of its denizens gives an atmosphere of utter gloom and desolation and we have a hell that leaves no need of other torture to check the course of the erring soul and yet there is no suffering that is not self-imposed it is both consistent and just that a man should associate with his kind and look upon himself and others until he grows sick of his own vileness and cries out in agony of spirit against his own moral offences it must not be assumed that every person dying with considerable matter belonging to the lower astral level still within his emotional body will necessarily pass through such experiences it should never be forgotten that we are dealing with a matter of the utmost complexity and that even the most exhaustive description in print would present only a fragment of the truth the conditions of consciousness on any subplane vary as individuals vary some people on the lowest astral level are wholly unconscious of their surroundings another variation is that some people find themselves floating in darkness and largely cut off from others a sufficiently undesirable condition and yet better than the fate of some 
all states of astral consciousness are reactions from previous good or evil conduct and are moreover temporary conditions that will in time be left behind in a different way and at a higher level there may be suffering on the astral plane that is purifying the nature not all offences against nature's laws are of so gross a type there is the abuse of desire and the violation of conscience that may result in various kinds of regret and emotional distress a desire of a refined type strongly built up upon the physical plane lives with an intenser vitality on the astral plane after the physical body can no longer gratify it a glutton and a miser have strong desires of a very different type each of them is likely to suffer on account of it during the astral life they need not dwell upon the lowest level to get a reaction from their folly in the physical life we can easily imagine the distress of the glutton in a world without food there could be no distress because of hunger for the astral body is not like the physical body renewed and maintained by what it consumes but hunger and the gratification of the sense of taste are very different things it is the latter that would trouble the gourmand and it is said that great suffering as in the case of the drunkard is his lot until the desire gradually disappears because of the impossibility of its gratification the miser represents a subtler form of desire but his greed for gold may be quite as intense as that of the glutton for sensual gratification the accumulation of money has been the dominant thought of his life he has created in his mind a wholly false value for money and it gives him real pain to part with the dollar of it only dire necessity forces him to spend any portion of his hoard it is not difficult to imagine his emotions when he is obliged to leave it behind and see others spend it freely any kind of a desire that is related to the physical body is without means of gratification in the astral world and if such desire has been cultivated until it becomes strong enough to play an important part in one's life it will certainly give him more or less trouble after the loss of the physical body whether it grows out of an over-refinement and excess in a natural appetite as in the case of the epicure or is simply an artificial thing that is unrelated to any natural demand as in the case of the smoker the inability to gratify the desire is equally distressing the suffering that results could hardly be judged by what would follow on the physical plane when desire is thwarted for in the astral life emotion expresses itself much more intensely all of the suffering in the astral world of whatever type is the natural result of the thoughts emotions and acts during the life on the physical plane the astral world is that part of the mechanism for man's evolution that brings him up with a sharp turn when he is moving in the wrong direction he is not being punished the injurious forces he has generated are simply reacting upon him this reaction that sets him right is as certain as in the case of the infant that picks up a live coal it is merely less direct and not so immediate in result and it works itself out in a multiplicity of ways one of the methods of reaction that helps to stamp out a fault is the automatic repetition of the unpleasant consequences of wrongdoing the murderer will serve for a general illustration in the case of a deliberate premeditated and cruel murder 
the assassin is moved by such base motives as revenge or jealousy. The results of these, so far as their frightful consequences to the victim are concerned, do not in the least tend to deter the assassin from further deeds of violence. He feels gratified with his success and is quite satisfied with himself. Only the possibility of detection and punishment troubles him. If they follow in due course, they will accomplish something in correcting his erroneous views of life, but they will not be sufficient to register indelibly, in the very nature of the man, a proper sense of the horror of which he has been guilty. Such a man can be impressed with his viewpoint changed only by consequences to himself. It is in the reaction in the astral life of the forces he has generated here that he gets the lesson that forces in upon his consciousness the horror inseparable from murder. If he escapes the physical plane consequences of his deed, he will nevertheless come into contact in the astral world with conditions sufficiently horrible. He has made a tie with his victim that cannot be broken until the scales of justice are balanced, and nature's exaction has been paid to the uttermost. Just what form of retribution will follow depends, of course, on the nature of the case. But the reaction is as certain as it is multiplex. One of its variants is the gruesome experience of always fleeing from the corpse of the victim, but with the utter impossibility of a moment's escape. In the case of a murderer who has been apprehended, tried, condemned, and executed, the whole of the tragedy and its sequel would be not only lived over in imagination, but repeated automatically in fact, and worked out in full detail in the plastic matter of the astral region. Probably few people have the imagination to comprehend what the murderer feels of apprehension and fear at his trial when his life is in the balance or what he suffers while hiding from justice and making futile efforts to escape the pursuing officers of the law, or what his emotions are as his hands are tied and he steps upon the death trap. All this is reproduced in the astral life repeatedly. As one whose mind is completely filled with the subject, let us say something that is the cause of much anxiety, finds it impossible to turn his attention from it and think of other things, or go to sleep, and is impelled against his desire to think the matter over and over. So the assassin is enmeshed in the emotion web of his crime, and cannot escape from living and acting it all over and over again, until a revulsion of feeling arouses him to full comprehension of the horror of his crime. Again it should be said that no attempt is here made to give more than a very fragmentary description and a few hints of the manner in which the retributory laws of nature work. A writer on this subject should also be careful that, in pointing out the fact that to certain classes of offenders against nature's laws severe penalties accrue, the reader does not get the impression that suffering is the common lot in the astral life. The truth of the matter is that people who live clean, moderate lives, and refrain from generating forces that are injurious to others, will know nothing whatever of the unfortunate side of astral existence. In the limitations, the vexations, the physical aches and ills, the poverty, the sorrow and suffering of the material plane, most of us are as near to hell conditions of existence as we will ever be. 
the ordinary man of average morality has so little of the matter of the lowest level of the astral plane lingering in him that as a rule he would begin his post-mortem existence on the next higher subdivision which is the counterpart of the earth's surface he would therefore have no knowledge of the hell that exists on the lower level but that is not at all true of those who live grossly and freely indulge the emotions of anger jealousy hatred revenge and their kindred impulses that often lead to violent crimes it is possible to live the physical life so sanely usefully harmoniously and unselfishly that at death the physical body one will pass almost immediately to a joyous and useful career in the astral world but while that is quite possible the unfortunate fact is that many people so color all their emotions with selfishness that the astral sojourn is unpleasantly affected by it it is the emotions that determine the astral life and it is said that if they are directly selfish they bring the man into conditions on the astral plane that are very unpleasant it must be expected that any idea we may form of the astral life will be incomplete and inadequate to give a true conception what it is really like perhaps the most comprehensible of the subplanes is that which reproduces the physical landscape in astral matter there the average man will begin his conscious astral career if we think of the world as we know it here and then imagine all that is material to have vanished from it we shall gain some comprehension of the situation eliminate the necessity of providing food clothing and shelter and nearly all of the labor of the race would cease the tilling of the soil the mining the building the manufacturing and the transportation and exchange of the products of field and factory constitute nearly the whole of human activity in the astral life no food is required and one is clothed with astral matter from which garments are fashioned almost with the ease and rapidity of thought no houses are needed for shelter the astral body is not susceptible to degrees of heat and cold and nothing there corresponds to our temperatures there is no division of night and day objects being self-luminous and light being perpetual if we could drop out of physical life all need of physical labor abolish all response to heat or cold the need for food and houses and add unlimited wealth or to be more exact give each person the power to possess all that wealth can confer and much that it cannot we would have an approach to a conception of the astral world from one viewpoint each one entering the astral life has of course a fullness of liberty and freedom from responsibility that is not instantly comprehensible to the physical mind there is nothing whatever that he must do there is however plenty that he can do if he desires to be active on the physical plane many people of wealth travel and amuse themselves with sightseeing thousands of others would do so if it were possible in the astral world it is possible and large numbers of people drift aimlessly about with no particular plans multitudes belonging to various religious sects organize themselves into congregations build edifices and spend much time in religious services others amuse themselves building houses and constructing landscapes it is not at all necessary but the old habits live and influence activities 
the average person in the astral world gives himself to idleness and the enjoyment of the intensified emotions of the astral life just as the majority of people would do here if it were possible to escape the round of duties so sternly imposed by their necessities for a long time the most of them also make daily visits to homes they have left behind on the physical plane those who have a strong tie of affection with some member of the family frequently spend much time lingering around and going on little journeys about the premises or elsewhere with the loved one they understand that the dead person is not perceived by the living one but nevertheless they desire to be near they do not have a full consciousness of all the living person is thinking and doing but they are fully aware of the state of feeling or emotion and whether the living friend is pleasantly or unpleasantly affected by passing events end of section four chapter eight part one